Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Jennifer Bluestein of Perkins Coie, who returns to PD Insider to discuss her strategies for maximizing mid-level associate performance. The specific challenges facing mid-levels and how PDs can address them is the focus of her latest book, Stepping It Up, a guide for mid-level law firm associates from PLI Press. Welcome back, Jennifer. I'm pleased to see you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me virtually. So first, if we could just define our terms, what is a mid-level associate? A mid-level associate, Craig, is generally a third to fifth year associate. And the title, Stepping It Up, where does that come from? Stepping It Up is the title because it is the comment that I would most often hear partners say about associate performance once they were past the first couple of years of practice. So anytime we had conversations about a particular associate or a group of associates in that third to fifth year level where they weren't superstars or killing it, the comment was, they really need to step it up. And I would always follow up with another question, which was, what does that mean to you? What does stepping it up look like? So it was a really obvious title that as soon as I decided we really need to do a book for mid-levels, that was the title that I wanted to use. So in answer to that question, what what skills would you say need to be learned or mastered as a mid-level associate to keep progressing? Well, I think there's... There's two aspects to that. One is making sure that you as the mid-level um, or the mid-levels you're teaching, if you're a professional development person, understands that big picture and the questions to ask to get the big picture. But then also part of that successful delegation is to think about it in terms of, you know, what is the goal? What is in it for the person who's doing it? And what is the expectation? What does success look like? And what's the time frame? So what we do tend to hear in exit interviews is that associates feel like they get a decent amount of feedback, but they would like more. But more importantly, they want more background and more context when they're given an assignment. And so, especially in a remote environment, when you're assigning things over email, you're not giving a nuance, you're not giving the full context and just taking the five to 10 minutes And I know it's all video right now, but to take that time and thought, take a minute before you pick up the phone or the video and um, say, okay, what does success look like? What's the background information that's going to help get this result faster and more effectively to me and to the client? And that's a really important part of any training that we want to give around delegation and what a successful mid-level looks like. That's very useful information. I mean, you know, obviously in the work from home environment, has the pandemic had a specific had specific effects on the mid-level cohort given their career stage? Uh, One paradoxical aspect of work from home uh, can mean that you're always at the office. And uh, and of course, uh, people at, at this career stage and also others in the organization, you know, have competing interests such as, you know, 
childcare and homeschooling and elder care and all these things that are going on uh, potentially at, at home right now. So have you, have you seen any particular effect on, on this group? I think in a lot of ways, mid-levels have suffered the most of all the associate groups because where, especially where you have firms that pushed off their first year classes. So you have first years that would normally start in the fall and maybe they didn't start until January. And those decisions were made in a little bit of a slowdown. And then what happened? We saw really busy third and fourth quarter. And so who's doing that work? It's mid-levels and they're not able to farm it out as good training to junior associates because the junior associates haven't arrived yet. So while we were hesitating, I think, as an industry to bring on our junior associates in the pandemic, what did we end up doing? We ended up bringing them on in the pandemic. For the most part, it's actually been pretty, pretty good. I mean, when we talk to first years, they're kind of, yeah, I'd rather be in the office and I'd rather be having the interactions, but it's actually been really good and I'm learning a lot. I'm able to work and reach out and get the resources that I need. So if they're able to get the resources they need and mid-levels are finally able to use them, that's great. But by the time the juniors are starting with us, mid-levels have already been in this mode for 10 months. So for mid-levels, that, that real risk, I think, is burnout and isolation more than anything else. And I talk to a lot of associates, even associates at different firms, especially in writing these books and chapters and things like that. And one of the really interesting things that I heard was, so we're really busy and we're hiring, but we're not great at interviewing right now because we're so burned out. So what happens is they start thinking about greener pastures, not having to build time and going in-house becomes a really attractive concept for them. That's interesting. So what impact uh, you know, has it had on your the firm's retention of the mid-level associates and other particular practices that you found effective to maintain their engagement uh, and and to re- and to retain them. So we're still seeing the attrition trends in real time. I think in 2020, and I talked to a lot of different firms. We all felt like, oh wow, people aren't leaving. This is great. So we saw attrition go down in 2020. And, and it went down significantly. And at first, it was because there was so much uncertainty in the market. There was a, a slowdown um, in April and May in particular. And so there was just too much uncertainty for people to really think about leaving their jobs and going somewhere where they didn't have that credibility um, and goodwill built up. Well, now here we are. We're a year into the pandemic. Things are starting to look better. And so what we're seeing from associates is they are more willing to leave, especially at the mid-level, because they're profitable, they're trained, and they're desired both by other firms and clients. So right now, I think what the firms are really doing is trying to make sure they're in good and open communication with associates about what they need to get through this and how to feel valued. And it is not necessarily money. So we did see COVID bonuses being paid both in the fall and at year end. And a lot of firms did that. And in talking to associates, again, what a lot of us heard is that money isn't actually making that much of a difference. We'd rather have our lives back or we'd rather have the support that we need. So we have been doing the things, you know, touch bases and virtual trivia nights and all kinds of things like that. But associates are finding even that exhausting. They don't want to be in front of a screen anymore. 
They didn't want to pay, play any more trivia games. They didn't want to share any more stories. So a big part of our kind of year in celebration was being entertained by an outside comedian. And we could just kind of sit back and laugh. And so we started sharing that with different practice groups. Um, and we also heard things like chocolate and soup are always welcome. Yeah. So we have all of our well-being initiatives going on too. So those are the, the things that seem to go over well. Uh, that's great. Uh, I mean, but, but given all these influences uh, on sort of a, a bigger level, how, how do you see mid-level associates actually defining their career success now? It is much more varied than 20 years ago, for one thing. Craig, you and I have talked about how there have been some differences over time in terms of definitions of success. So when I went to law school, I would say we were kind of the first bunch to admit to one another, not in any interview, but to one another, that we didn't necessarily feel like partner was a goal. It might happen if it happened, but we knew there were other things we could do with our law degrees. And we also knew that we wouldn't be immune to things like layoffs um, and difficult pressures if we were in a law firm. So what we see now is there are still some associates that really want that title of partner. And the longer they stay with us, the more they want it, which is great. But we also have a group of attorneys, and they're also partners now too. It's not just our mid-levels, but they want more balance in their lives. But I think the definition of success now is very much bespoke. It's whatever works for you. And we've got people that are looking to be more aligned with their clients, more embedded. So they're more likely to spend a larger amount of time in their practices with a particular client. And that makes them more interested in going in-house because they feel more valued. So that's part of it. Um, I think the other part is that the attraction of a large department, now that you have clients that have really large departments for their in-house counsel, that makes a difference too. So where you have a department of 2,000 attorneys that's basically a large law firm. And that's what you know some banks and different companies have now. So there's less of a difference. And some people want stock options over salary. So there are a lot of differences there. But what, what I do still find is kind of a classic goal in terms of success is where you have associates that want to be leaders. They are more likely to want to stay and be partner. Their definition of success isn't just that they want to make partner, they want to help run and shape and form the law firm. And I think our professional development programs need to reflect that as well. So what you'll see is we're teaching leadership skills at a more junior level. And that helps us, I think, keep our talent longer because they see that they're able to make more of a difference in a law firm than say in a big corporation. Right. So there is an element of the grass is always greener when they're looking out at the client side and, and thinking about in-house. Of course, in the fullness of time, we've seen the pendulum swing back and forth on that as well, uh, where uh, in the corporate world, if, uh, if uh, there are pressures in terms of uh, cost cutting, uh, that can also create some, some risk uh, within the, the legal and regulatory departments of, uh, of the corporation. Definitely. Um, definitely. And we do have a number of people at different levels that have gone in-house and come back. And we like to see them talk about it because then they're helping 
our attorneys understand the expectations of client service, but they're also working on that impression of the grass is always greener and they're bringing some reality to it. You mentioned the reality of the pandemic right now. And uh, as we're speaking uh, in, uh, in late March of 2021, uh, people are starting to think, firms are starting to think about what does a return to the office uh, look like uh, and, and what might reopening uh, mean. And uh, I'm just wondering you know, how you think the choices uh, that are being made will impact mid-level engagement uh, and retention. So now that people have worked from home, they've, they've realized the benefits of that too, as well as some of the impediments. But uh, you know, how does a firm respond to that and provide flexibility perhaps uh, for, the, uh, for, you know, for the associates? I think we are definitely going to see happier mid-levels. Once we're back in the office and they can choose their best work style and workplace, I think they're going to feel a greater sense of control and calm and collegiality when they need it and quiet when they need it, if they need to work from home or anywhere else. But at the same time, a lot of firms are changing their expectations around staff. So there were a lot of staff layoffs during the pandemic. And I think firms realized that they wanted to maintain the cost cutting that started with just not traveling and not having events. But the other part of it too is mid-levels in particular, I think felt like, well, I didn't use my legal assistant that much anyway. Before the partner kind of always hugged the person. So I'm going to start using the centralized resources. So I know we have seen a great uptick in the amount of workflow into those centralized resources. So centralized work processing is getting a lot more work than it did pre-pandemic. Um, but what that means is the workplace that mid-levels will return to may very well look different, either because we have more pooled resources around legal assistants, legal secretaries, or they're working remotely where they hadn't been permitted to do so in the past. And if they're skilled, especially like a skilled paralegal, um, I think associates are going to have to get used to, they may be in the office more than some of the people they're working with. And then on the flip side, they also still want the mentoring, the guidance that they've always had. So whereas junior associates may not know anything else if they've started during the pandemic, you're going to have mid-levels that are used to having that ability to go and sit in a partner's office. And especially where you're looking at baby boomers, they're working at home for the first time saying, actually, this isn't so bad. I think I am going to do this two days a week. So everything is just kind of up in the air and mid-levels um, and I, you know, kind of call them that middle child syndrome. Mid-levels often get forgotten. Well, they're already trained. We take them for granted. Yet they're the ones most likely to be poached by clients or other law firms. So we have to be really good to mid-levels because they're marketable and they want to go back to something that may not exist in their workplace anymore. So there's, there's that sense of uncertainty that could play to their advantage, but it could also be a disadvantage. What about right. the idea of like, Chicagoland or the New York metropolitan area, things are spread out. Uh, some people live outside of the city. Do you think there's any uh, vitality to the idea that there might be uh, uh, more diffusion, that there might be more satellite offices? In terms of using alternative office space, I do think that we may go back to what we saw about 
15, 20 years ago, where there were these suburban satellite offices that firms had. We may also see a lot more of the shared co-working space like we work. So assuming that there is decent social distancing or we don't need the social distancing anymore, I do think we're going to see people that want to stay closer to home. They want to save the time that they used to spend commuting. So if they can cut off an hour a day and use that for billing time, they're going to be more likely to do that. And I think we're also going to see a return to kind of scheduling that time. So they may say, well, Tuesday and Thursday, I'm going to work from home or whatever. But the other time, unless I have a meeting, I'm going to be in this shared workspace, especially if there are other people from the firm. So they get that sense of collegiality there. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. But I think largely even traditionalists would have to admit that work from home with all the technological tools that we've employed does does work. I mean, it 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 has been successful, proven that it it, it can succeed. Uh, although there are certainly going to be you know gaps and shortcomings, uh, things that are lost by not having that kind of uh, you know a physically interactive environment. Uh, right. Let me ask you this: Do you think do you think lawyers would accept hoteling uh, space? It's funny that you ask about hoteling because we are actually doing it in a couple offices now. And that was actually the plan before the pandemic. So one of the things we have to keep in mind, whether it's satellite offices or, or working from home and working in the office, is we are paper lovers. Attorneys love paper. And so I think one of the things to come out of the pandemic is this concept that we have to do more in a paperless way. And so having some kind of hybrid approach where the people that want to be in five days a week and have all their stuff and have all their books can do that. And the people who want a little bit more freedom and want a nice home setup, they can take the hoteling approach and they can set the example of how things are going to move later on. I think the key there is with our junior associates. So if junior associates start out with shared space and hoteling and are given the paperless tools and technology to do it successfully, they may find that they're more efficient and that they like it just as much. And obviously it saves on expenses for the firms. Do you anticipate your firm or others making uh, significant physical changes uh, to the offices to uh, entice people to come back in? Enticing people to come back is an interesting choice of words. Because for some people, the idea of having a place to go away from distractions, that in and of itself is an enticement. For others, they are comfortable working at home. I've been very comfortable working at home. But at the same time, I think the idea of enticement really comes from the people and the collaboration. So what we are seeing, and there was just an article about one of the firms downsizing their New York offices. You know, there has been this trend for, I don't know if it's 10 years yet or not, but to go to that uniform size of office. So partners are having smaller offices than in the past. And they don't necessarily love that, but it seems to be going over just fine and they make the adjustment and it's not a big deal, but they have more collaboration space. And so I think that collaboration space and doing away with some of the unnecessary square footage to make room for some of that creative space, that alone is an enticement. And where you see hoteling, we are doing things like thinking about having you know, community managers or space managers to make sure that the space, if people need to reserve space, that it's reserved, that we have enough space for them. But I think you will see that the people 
and the structure of the space will be an enticement overall. All right, good, good. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, and I'd like to thank my guest, PLI author Jennifer Bluesty, Chief Talent Officer of Perkins Coie, for sharing her insights today. We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you, be well, and get vaccinated.